Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 107. We are fresh off of week one. Uh, the 49ers played in the monsoon, as you all saw. So before we get into that, I just want to read a review. A great review here from Hosby. Uh, Hosby commented, great stuff. Been following y'all on Twitter for a minute now, but never listened before. That will change. Stay proper and go Niners. Thank you for the review. As always, please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is that you get your podcast. All right, Akash. Well, we did not expect that. Nobody expected uh, the team up north to be the lone undefeated team after week one. It seemed like even in you know the torrential downpour that was Chicago Soldier Field, people thought the 49ers would be able to escape with a victory. If you watched the first half, you would have thought that they would escape with a victory because the Bears didn't do anything offensively. It looked like the 49ers were world beaters. And then the second half came, mistakes, penalties. Those were too much to overcome. And sure enough, uh, I thought I kind of found it funny that when Trent Williams said after the game, when we needed to start, you know, to mount a comeback, that's when the rain really started to come down. What happened there, I mean, even before that, they were in the red zone. It seemed like they were living in the Bears' territory offensively. And let's start there with the offense because naturally – the takes are flying all over the place. Everybody wants to point the blame, uh, whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's, you know, the offensive line, whoever it may be. I'm sure people felt like Kyle Shanahan didn't call a good game. It's never one person's fault. But uh, let's just start in the offense. Your initial takeaways, and let's start with the first half. So, as we said, it, the 49ers got off to a good start, right? Like, they're moving the ball. They have an explosive play. And then fumble. That's – that can't happen, right? Even in, um, as I mentioned, the downpour that was. So what was your takeaway just from watching the offense in the first half? That first drive is what I thought this offense would look like with Trey Lance. And you and I talked about this offline, and it was just whoosh, 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 right down the field. There were a couple of min uh, runs mixed in, right? I think the first play of the game was uh, it was like an outside run to either Ayuk or Debo. And then the, the subsequent run was the other receiver. And it was just like Kyle was throwing jabs left and right. The defense didn't know what was coming. And then, boom, there was a play-action throw to Ayuk. That was kind of in that 10 to 20-yard range. He was wide open, right? We talked about this. Kyle Shanahan seemed to be picking on rookie safety Jaquan Brisker on that play. And it was like, man, are they just going to go down and score here? And then – and then obviously Debo Samuel fumbles and the momentum shifts there. But that being said, in that first half, outside of obviously the Debo Samuel fumble, I thought the 49ers offense looked okay. I mean, Trey Lance missed uh, Tyler Croft deep down the sideline. Um, that's the patented uh, leak play that Kyle Shanahan loves to call where the tight end sort of pretends to be blocking and then kind of leaks out the backside and Generally, it's always wide open, and somehow the 49ers, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, Trey Lance, they always seem to miss that throw for whatever reason, and Trey Lance took responsibility for it after the game, but, I mean, when Kyle Shanahan schemes up a shot play, that's a play to score to a touchdown, you just got to hit that if you're Trey Lance. I mean, you got to hit that. That's that's points right there if he hits Trilet Croft, and if George Kittle was healthy, maybe that George Kittle, but probably still an overthrow there. So, you know, in the first half, I thought they were okay, right? I thought Trey Lance had some throws. The running game looked great, right? Elijah Mitchell was still healthy. He had like six carries for 40 yards. Debo Samuel looked, you know, great coming out of the backfield. Ayuk had a couple of catches. I just thought their offense was moving well, even if 
I think the score was like 7-0 at halftime. I've had a couple missed opportunities, but, you know, going into halftime, you felt great. You felt like the 49ers were in complete control. You, you felt good about Trey Lance. He looked comfortable in the inclement weather. And then it just kind of went downhill there in the second half. And, you know, you could probably take it away with what you what you kind of saw and how it unraveled there in the second half. Yeah, it seemed like once – and I thought Shanahan did a really good job. Like whenever Trey Lance, even in training camp, whenever he had, like, you know – a mistake whenever he had a play that you're looking at it like uh might want to fix that he comes back to a run play and i thought shannon did a really good job of that whether it was a miss and he'd come back with a design quarterback run or do something to get lance involved in the action uh that was good but the third downs man it, it just seemed like for whatever reason there was always a mistake and whether that was jake brindle missing a block whether that was mike McGlinchey giving up a sack whether that was trey lance taking a sack in the red zone or Brandon Ayuk, opi so it seemed like they couldn't get out of their own way, which was an issue last year, too. So um, there's a history of Shanahan's team starting slow in week one and just getting off to um, just sloppy starts. So it's kind of a theme, but we didn't expect to see that in the second half. As I said at the top, they came out really playing very well. And for whatever reason, that changed. So I, I can't really point my finger to it. I mean, it's easy to say penalties, um, even the, the interception. I don't really fault that. I and mean, I've watched that play like 10 times. I honestly think Eddie Jackson just made a hell of a play. Like he came out of the screen, like out of the entire re. He was inside of the hash uh, when Trey Lance was looking to release the ball. So uh, whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's any quarterback, I imagine he's going to make that throw. That that was more of a you, – you just give your hat, uh, tip your hat to Eddie Jackson. But they they kind of went away from – the runs that were working in the first half. I don't know if that was just, you know, pistol up the middle to Elijah Mitchell and uh, Shannon doesn't trust the running backs in that sense, or um, whether it's counters that they're running. They, they had a lot of window dressing in the first half and that kind of disappeared in the second half. Is that due to the lack of footing that they were able to get? Or did she, I don't, I don't want to say Shannon like tucked his tail with the lead, but what we saw when they were, you know, up seven Oh or whatever it was, that was not the same game plan in the second half. I don't know how much of that is, you know, we don't have Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. I haven't game planned with these other running backs or the the offensive line. Like we, we do have to talk about them. And I mentioned this when I, and I wrote an article about the offense today on NinersNation.com. Check that out. Shout out, no free shout out. So, hey, uh, on true drop back passes, that, like there were few and far between. So Shannon does a really good job of using max protection, uh, using quick screens of quick game so the ball is coming out hot and that's always been the case with him but when they the offensive line had to actually pass protect Trey Lance was pressured on over 25 percent of his dropbacks and as I mentioned like it was Jake Brendel like he was getting worked uh Mike Malinchy was beat it, there was there were plays where 71 on the other side is getting beat so um at the same time Lance is overreacting to the pressure more so in the second half and, and I think Peyton Manning had a really good quote about this on Monday Night Football. He talked about the quarterback needs to be able to feel the pressure and not see the pressure. And I thought Lance, once he saw the opposite color, he would just, like his eyes would get big. And he, I don't, I don't want to say he would drop his eyes, but he would overreact and he would climb more than he had to. He would shuffle in the pocket more one way or the other than he needed to. Fortunately, he, he didn't learn from that, but there were a couple plays. He had a miss to Juwan Jennings. That was, that was an easy first down. That if he just, you know, slides comfortably or slides just a little bit uh he'll be fine so those are the kind of things that they're gonna have to clean up from blocking from Trey Lance trusting what he sees 
And I, I really don't think that they're going to be an issue at all. Like there's a good chance they, they score like 24, 27 against the Seahawks and we'll get there. But um, it was frustrating to watch knowing how well that they started, knowing that they still outgain uh, the bears. I think it was by 1.3 yards per play still. Um, there's no excuses. Like there were plenty of mistakes. Lance had his mistakes. The offensive line had their mistakes. The OPI uh, from Ayuk on third down, that was big. And I know they got the first down on the next play, but the last thing you want to do is rely on Trey Lance picking up a first down on third and 13 with his legs. So uh, week one, you're, you're expecting uh, there to be some sloppy play, but uh, not as much as we saw. Okay, let's let's flip the side uh, to the other side of the ball. On defense, it was a lot of the same, right? So they came out and they looked like world beaters. It looked like the defense we expected. Uh, Chicago had no answer for the defensive line. The very first drive, we saw Javon Kinlaw make a play. The next play, Javon Kinlaw make a play. Uh, we saw Bosa and Ebukam pick up sacks. And then there were coverage busts. And then, of course, the Bears had a short field that led to putting points on the board. But the two coverage busts are some th- two plays that you just do not see happen under D'Amico Ryans. And the one coverage bust, there were, I think, two guys running wide open. And it was so bad that Hufunga had to decide where he would go. And he didn't, like, he was called no man's land because uh, they were so wide open. So, um, again, go ahead. I was going to say, let me ask him the coverage bust, right? Because one of them, I think, is was attributed to, to Sean Gibson, right? I think it was on the, the St. Brown touchdown. He was supposed to carry right. St. Brown, and he didn't. How much of that do you think is just attributed to the fact that Gibson was only on the team for like two weeks, even though he's a veteran, he started a bunch of games. Sure. No, that, I mean, that was a case where I like, in my opinion, both him and Gibson and Mooney Ward, their eyes were just caught in the backfield. So that the bears ran play action and they were in a condensed jumbo formation. So they're probably not thinking it's going to be a pass. They were in man coverage and two to four players on defense were guarding the wrong player. So like it was it was Gibson's fault. It was also Ward's fault. But you could attribute uh, a lot of wrong on that play. It was you just don't see that. That's why it was so confusing, so head scratching, because uh, we're not used to seeing those type of blunders and mistakes on that side of the ball. But again, uh, there were a lot of good plays. Like Kinlaw was very impressive. Hufunga looked like an all world player. Like I didn't know what to expect of him going in. We talked about this. Safety was a huge concern, but uh, I think the opposite now. And I think Hufunga, if of course he's not going to have like six run stops and an interception every game, but what he put on tape, like what he showed, just his instincts, his aggressiveness, like you have to feel very comfortable with him playing all over the field. So um, again, like it's not sustainable for the opposing offense to be able to, you know, have these coverage busts, but at the same time, um, like we'll see. And I, I thought, and we'll get to Seattle too. I think they are going to be challenged more than they were against the Bears. And I think the Bears were more fortunate than anything. Uh, so we'll see how they look uh, in week two. Uh, defensively, I would say the three standouts for sure, though, were Nick Bosa, uh, Javon Kinlaw, and Talanoa Hufanga, of course. Okay, so moving forward, going back to the offense and the offensive line, like what what is your cause for concern, one to ten? Offensive line, I would probably lean maybe six out of 10, right? I think this was the first game all season long, preseason training camp where these five guys played together with like meaningful reps. And obviously you got to take into account, okay, the weather, the footing, all that, all that kind of stuff as well. And I think 
let's just give it a few games before we say, okay, there's a legitimate problem here with this offensive line. You know, they'll need to try someone else out, et cetera. And I think Kyle Shanahan said this after the game too. I think the offensive line probably played better than if you just read Twitter, right? Because if you just read social media, you'd think they got beaten every play, which wasn't the case either. But so, you know, the truth always lies somewhere in between. It's never as extremely bad as people make it seem or extremely good. And so I think I'd probably put it at like a five or six. It's probably like yellow, like a cause for concern. Like you want to monitor it. It needs to improve for this offense to be successful. But I also think it's not as bad or, you know, it won't be the reason that this offense sinks, I think. Okay, let's talk running back. So Elijah Mitchell is going to be down for two months. And when Kyle Shannon was talking about losing him, it seemed like he was talking about a dog that he just lost. Like he was very sad. Um, you can tell Elijah Mitchell means a lot to Shanahan and this offense. And uh, you talked about it a little bit, like he was playing very well when he was in the game. Like he, I think he had 41 yards on six carries. He also had a nice uh, pass protection uh, rep where he just picked up a blitzer and, and allowed Trey Lance to get off an explosive play. And Shanahan said after the game that between Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price, they're going to have to learn how to play without the ball. And that's essentially him telling us, they don't know how to pass protect. So if they're not playing, you know why. Um, saw a lot of Jeff Wilson in his absence, in Elijah Mitchell's absence. And obviously, Debo Samuel, you are in the mindset that Debo might just have to be full-time running back again. I know this probably wasn't the plan initially, but here we are, uh, one half into the season and the starting running back is already down again. So do you think that's going to be the case? Is it smart for the offense to rely on 19 in the backfield. Absolutely. And, it, and let's just run through the running back group here. And you mentioned Elijah Mitchell, 41 yards on six carries, right? Almost seven yards a clip. And he looked fantastic. I mean, especially compared to Jeff Wilson, who I think averaged like two and a half yards per carry. He just had more burst, more speed. And he just looked like what Mitchell looked like at the tail end of last season. And the unfortunate problem with Mitchell has just been his health. And I'm not saying it's his fault that he gets hurt. You know, injuries are part of the game. But like last year, he dealt with like a chest injury. And, you know, I think he had like a hand fracture, a shoulder injury. And then in the preseason, he had a hamstring or some sort of lower leg soft tissue injury. And now obviously the MCL sprain, which again, I think anyone would have gotten hurt on that play, right? I think the defender takes the helmet right to his knee and now he's out for eight weeks and he was a huge part of the running game. And it seems to be that it seems to be the same theme with the 49ers every year. We come into training camp, you and I, we do our, you know, our podcast. We're like, damn, they've got like six or seven running backs. Like, who are they going to keep? Like, it's going to be just a roster. It's going to be a dogfight. And then they get two weeks into the season and we're like, which free agent can they sign off the street to take carries? And it's like the same story every year. And, it's just unfortunate, and it's the same deal this year, right? They had to sign Marlon Mack um, this past week. And so I think given that, I would personally go ahead and put Debo Samuel at running back because let's take a look. Like when Debo Samuel carried the rock, he had eight carries for 52 yards, so about six and a half yards per carry. He obviously had that red zone carry that resulted in a touchdown where it looked like Eddie Jackson, who was a good safety, like literally flew backwards like Debo Samuel just bounced off of him into the end zone. And I guess if you look at success rate for all the different uh, running backs, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. had a 22% success rate running the ball. Debo Samuel had a 40% success rate. Elijah Mitchell had a 67% success rate running the ball. So there's like a clear drop-off. 
And I think if you just look at, you know, outside of running the ball, you talk about pass protection. I don't know if Kyle trusts either Jordan Mason or Ty Davis price. And I get it right. They're rookies. Like, do you understand all the protections, all the different calls, do you know, you know, blitz pickups, like all the things that just take time to, you know, learn that took Elijah Mitchell, like seven, eight, nine weeks in the season to learn. And we're expecting these guys to come in and like in two weeks, just hit the ground running. It's just a tough ask. So what I would do is just put Debo Samuel right back at running back. And that doesn't mean, you know, give him like 15, 16, make him like the guy, but I would just go right back to the well, just like you did at the tail end of last season and just, I think, you know, at this point in the season, you got to put your best players in a position to succeed. And Debo Samuel seems to just know how to run the ball. And I would just put him right back there. And I think the other thing we talked about is, and maybe this will segue into our conversation about 11 personnel, is you could always flank Debo out as a receiver and motion him back in. And sometimes then Debo Samuel has an advantage because he could be running against lighter boxes because maybe the defense defenses play more nickel. And so I think there's advantages there where Kyle Shanahan can just take advantage of different defensive, you know, uh, personnel groupings. So I think in totality, injury concerns aside, contractual stuff aside, that's that's for the offseason. I think at this point, you just got to put your best players in a position to succeed. And that, to me, is putting 19 in the backfield. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how often they use him. And if he gets nicked up, if they change their plan on the fly, because, again, like the the last thing I imagine you want to do is rely on two rookies in the backfield when you have a first-year starting quarterback and you're also breaking in a day three uh, right guard as well as a second-round pick from last uh, – second-round pick who did not play last year, not to mention a center who hasn't played in three years. So that, there's a ton of youth. They are a very young team. I think people forget that. So that might, you know, make up for – not maybe not make up for, but that explains a lot of the issues on offense in the first week. So – we might be looking at uh, Kyle Juszczyk, who played some third down back. Uh, they didn't run as many 11 person or sorry, as many 21 personnel snaps as they're used to, as we're used to seeing. And I wonder of how much of that is not so much related to Kyle Juszczyk as it is to the structure of how the offense will look. So the space that you get in 21 is not going to be the same as the space that you get with 11 personnel on the field. So you have three wide receivers. Naturally, you're going to have another defender outside the box flanked out, whether it's Ray McLeod. Jawan Jennings, who they used down the field. And that was a surprise, a nice surprise, a welcome surprise, I would say. I think by using 11 personnel, they're going to have a lot more space in the running game. And obviously, that goes without saying in the passing game. So last year, a lot of 21 personnel was because they were living over the middle of the field. This year, as we saw, uh, we're, we're seeing even on that the OPI play to IU, they're throwing isolation routes to the outside. So that was encouraging. And I think it'll be a better bet for them in the long haul and they're, they're going to be able to run the ball too out of 11 personnel. Go ahead. I was just going to say a couple of things. So 21 for those of, you know, the folks that uh, don't know the personnel groupings, two running backs, one tight end, 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end and three receivers. So it's just different personnel groupings. So if you hear the, the two digit number, it's always running back first then tight ends. And then the remainder is, is receivers. And then the second point I saw this, and I think Josh Norris maybe made, made a point of this. I think Trey Lance had three completions outside of the numbers between past 10 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo had 25 all of last year. So Trey Lance is on pace for basically double that. <laughs> if, if And that tells you how this offense is changing, right? They're not going to attack the middle of the field, which is where Garoppolo is most comfortable. They're going to attack outside the numbers and down the field, which is just where Trey Lance seems to be more comfortable right now. 
And that'll make offense a lot easier because by doing that, you're going to have defenses respect those throws outside the numbers. What does that mean? That means defenders are going to have to go that way, which opens up things for your running game, opens up you know, these quick passing throws underneath, which we saw them try to do. And I'm not really worried about some of the inaccuracies. So there was one play where he grabs the ball, the ball hit the, hits the ground, tries to pick it up, throws a quick screen to Debo. The ball flutters out of the way. He, he does throw a lot of uh, quote-unquote flutter balls, but – how much of that is due to uh, the rain that we saw? So I think that's why these sweeping takes about the quarterback did this, quarterback did that, uh, we have to account for the situation. I, I think he showed a lot of promise. Trey Lance did make mistakes. I'm not saying that. I'm not absolving him of the mistakes that he did make. Um, the, the most egregious one to me was the miss to Juwan Jennings on third down because he threw a jump pass. Like his feet are not on the ground. That Those are the bad habits. And those will be alleviated by protection. And that's, again, the reason he made some of those mistakes was because he's flustered by pressure. Those mistakes don't happen from a clean pocket. Nobody ever talks about how he performed in a clean pocket. Or if you just take away the fourth quarter, he played very, very well. But again, uh, the hurricane that he played in had a lot to do with that. Let's turn the page and let's talk Seahawks. So week two, uh, home opener. This is... This is going to be interesting. And I and I am in the mindset that the 49ers win this game by double digits. I know that that has not happened um, when what feels like forever. Our producer, Rob, is in the mindset that um, the 49ers are going to be closer to this game. It's probably going to be closer to a field goal. So if you remember what we saw in Monday Night Football, uh, the Seahawks, they came out and played pretty well in the first half. I thought Geno Smith looked very well. I thought the offensive line played well. The offensive coordinator was in a groove. However, things did not go their way in the second half. Or sorry, things did go their way the second half, and they were very fortunate. On the other side of the ball defensively, Denver did whatever they wanted to. They moved the ball up and down the field. They could not figure out the short yardage situation. It seems like uh, the one-yard line ruined the game for them. So, the red zone are play you really, Yeah, are you really taking that, what you saw, and thinking Seattle, like they're going to win a bunch of games? Or how much of that was just Denver messing up? I think it's pretty clear, and, and the line is telling as well, that it's probably going to be more of what we saw from Denver. And I don't think the 49ers are going to have these issues where, they're, where mm-hmm. they are. Um, and I'm saying this as Debo Samuel fumbled inside of the one-yard line, but or sorry, inside of the 10-yard line or the red zone, whatever it was. I don't think they're going to have those same turnover issues against the Seahawks. Uh, what worries you the most? I think Rob, our producer, talked about this at the at the top before we hit record. I think if you're a 49ers fan and you've watched the last, you know, 10, 12 years of football, ever since, you know, Pete Carroll really became prominent in Seattle, you always get nervous for these Seattle-San Francisco games. It's just I can't describe it. There's no analytics. It's not DVOA. It's none of that stuff. But you just know with with the Seahawks and the 49ers, they just play in some weird-ass games. And we saw that last year, right? The two games. The first game, obviously at home, I think it was week two or week three, the Niners were kicking Seattle's ass. I mean, Russ Wilson, I think, had like five drives in the first half. I think they punted all five times. I think 49ers on offense, they just didn't score enough points. Like, they moved the ball, but I think that – maybe a turnover. I think they, they were up in the first half, but it was one of those where you're like, they're not up enough and just wait till Russell Wilson figures it out. And obviously Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt and then Trey Lance is inserted and it was just weird. 
And then the second game in Seattle, Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy at this point. And just weird shit happens. I mean, they had a fake punt go for a touchdown, I think. Um, just weird turnovers, kept that game close. And obviously Seattle won that. And I thought San Francisco was a better team at that time as well. And they just play these weird-ass games. So I think if you're a 49ers fan, that's probably what worries you. And, the, and then the fact that the Niners are 0-1. And we, coming into this season, expected them to be 2-0 and after these two games. These are two gimme games, right? The Bears and, and Seattle, we think they were more talented. They got better coaching staff, all that stuff. Now they've dropped one. And so the pressure mounts to win this game. And so I think those two things probably psychologically, again, if you're a fan outside of the team, right, in the building, they're probably not talking about the stuff. They're probably just focused on the game plan ahead and they're not worried about like you know rivalries history like all that stuff like trey lance was 12 right when pete carroll took over for seattle so he's not that's insane to say out loud right like he, he's younger than i am he's younger than the both of us and so he's probably not even thinking thinking about thinking about it that way but i just think it's it's like all the other stuff probably if you're a fan that worries you game wise i just i still think the 49ers have more talent on both sides of the ball and ultimately, I still think they have the more talented quarterback, even if he has, if, even if he doesn't have the experience that Geno Smith does. And they're at home. I know the weather might be a little weird again, but I just think they're ten point favorites now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Shout out, no free shout out. So I just think they got to come out, take care of business. And like you, like you mentioned, I think they're going to win by double digits, double digits as well. Okay, so I want to say. If we, if we talk about what we're worried about, the one area that I think they're going to have success is just attacking the same way that they did against the Bears. So the Bears had some rookies on the in the secondary at safety mm-hmm. and at the, their nickel corner. And I believe the Seahawks had their nickel corner go down. I don't know if he's going to come back or be healthy, but it was a, it was a day three pick, Kobe Bryant. Um, he's out of Cincinnati, so smart player in college, but they were able to take advantage of him Last week, the Broncos were on some slap fairies, just like what happened to Juwan Jennings. No Jamal Adams, so that'll be huge. Uh, they're going to have a backup safety there. So I imagine we'll see a lot of the same game plan. I think their passing game is going to look how it started to look early on in the game. I think they're going to be able to hit some explosive plays. And I imagine they're going to be able to run the ball, too. Like, the Broncos were able to run the ball, and for whatever reason, they went away from that. Um I think having the extra defender. So we haven't really talked about how the 49ers running game looked with Trey Lance. I think using him on um, the QB counters, the QB powers, the QB leads in those high leverage situations and using Debo off that is a great idea. I also thought getting out Brandon Ayuk involved had some nice, uh, had a nice just change of pace change to pace. it. So I imagine, again, they're not going to struggle unless we get into a situation where, you know, false starts, holdings, penalties. Like, those are going to be the things that really slow this offense down. Uh, defensively, I so if we want to just change it back real quick to what you're worried about, I do. I want to see – so the, the Seahawks have a former Rams, uh, Shane Walden. Uh, he's former Rams assistant, offensive coordinator. I do think he was in a good group. He was in a nice group, and he was calling screens. It seemed like he was two steps ahead of the Broncos DC, who's obviously a first timer, but how is that gonna look against D'Amico Ryans? I think they are going to try to attack the 49ers cornerbacks, which teams did last year. So Mooney Ward against DK Metcalf, that'll be fun to watch. And that, like, this is why the 49ers shine, uh, signed uh, Mooney Ward to take on these wide receivers. So I wanna see how he holds up. I wanna see how Mosley holds up because in his history, DK Metcalf has uh, worked him over pretty good. So. 
Ty Lockett, another really good wide receiver. I want to see how Geno Smith stands in the pocket. There were times, like when he has time, Geno's a player. Geno looks really good. He's also a statue in the pocket. So when people are saying Charles Cross struggled, the 49ers should be able to take advantage of him, I don't think those issues or those plays were on the tackles. I think it was more of uh, Geno Smith just standing still and not moving. So Bosa, Ebukam, and the pressure should be able to get home. Uh, they just got to be able to do that and take advantage. So before we get out of here, score prediction for Sunday. Score prediction. I will hit you with a meaningless stat. Kyle Shanahan, 4-0 in week two games since 2017. He's won, I think, two of those after a loss. So I think he's 2-0, I think, in 2018 and 2020 after a week one loss. So I like the 49ers big. I think they put up a ton of points. I think this is the week where they go, all right, yeah, we're the, you know, the train's back on the tracks. I think they win 27-14, Niners big. Let's, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say they cover the 10-point spread. Kyle Shanahan, it's a get-right game. I think he looked frustrated. The defense looked frustrated. You were in the locker room after Chicago. The guys looked annoyed. I think they knew they should have won that game. They know they're a better team again. They're at home, home opener. I like them big. Yeah, there were some unhappy campers. There's no doubt about it in the locker room. I was going to say 27-13. I think that they are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field, just as Denver was. I don't anticipate multiple red zone turnovers. I think they're going to have more success in the red zone. So, again, like the 49ers, they were moving the ball up and down against the Bears, and the Bears have a better defense, in my opinion, uh, than Seattle. So we'll see. And, again, they're going to have to be balanced. They're going to have to be able to run the ball without Elijah Mitchell. And I don't think that's going to be a problem because they still have 19 back there, and he's going to be a big part of the backfield until the rookies get up to speed. Not really worried about any of the DBs on in Seattle. I think Quandre Diggs is a very good player, but I think Kyle Shanahan's smart enough to scheme away from him. So my, my prediction again, 27-13, I think they're going to have plenty of success and, and be able to, you know, turn over Geno Smith. So we are hoping that we are correct. Last week we predicted that the 49ers would win comfortably against the Bears, and that pr proved to be incorrect. So... Uh, we will be back with you next week. Please, as always, rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is you get your podcast. Enjoy the home opener and go Niners.